Hey, this is Candace Pringle, lead pastor of FE Church, and this is our podcast. What an awesome, powerful morning. This series has been so powerful, hasn't it? It's the game changer at Freedom Valley. I feel God is breathing this new life and fire and passion into us. I truly believe he has started something in this series that we won't see the end of for a long time. Uh, Does that mean that every week we'll have powerful altar moments like the ones we've had? I hope so. But I don't know. Does that mean that every week we'll see people healed and saved and baptized and baptized in the Holy Spirit? Yes, I, I think so. I hope so. But here's the thing. What if it doesn't? Right? What if it all goes away again? Church, I mean, what if everything we love about church goes away? We've, we've seen it happen this past year, haven't we? We didn't all make it through it. And I'm not saying it will. I'm not saying it might. But we did just live through something we thought, I thought, would never happen. So my question to you today is, are you coming to church today for the healings, for the baptism and baptisms in the Holy Spirit for the feeling of it all, for the goosebumps and the the loud worship and all of that? Or are you coming today for Jesus in whatever form he chooses to meet you in? See, I think this series has really all been about the gospel and not necessarily about the fire and the passion, but the gospel. I think it's all about our understanding of who Jesus is is. And sometimes we get a little too focused on the way that he comes rather than he who comes. We we have to understand who he is as a concept and as a person. Not only who he is, but what he did on that cross and what he's been doing ever since. And why should that knowledge, that understanding, that revelation from heaven about the gospel, why should that change everything for you? Why should the gospel change everything. I've seen people start coming to church and get saved and things start changing in their life, right? They, They get new friends. They change their whole friend group. They change their whole weekly schedule. They start coming to a home group. They start getting involved and and serving and giving a little money to the church and not tithing yet because that's a big step, but just begin to raise their hands in church and read the Bible a little bit here and there. Maybe they pick up a T.D. Jakes book, right? (laughs) They just get their feet wet. They start getting in and they make those first steps. And it really does begin to change things. But somewhere along the way, God asks for something that is just too much. Somewhere along the way, he begins to shine a light on a dark corner and say, hey, maybe it's time to clean this up, right? Maybe it's time to to tighten up in this area. And maybe it's not a corner that they want to clean up yet. It's an area of their life that they're a little bit too committed to, that they don't know if they can live without. There's the always having a beer in my hand corner. Right? That's ridiculous, God. I'm not super drunk all the time. I don't treat my family badly. I just... I just need it to unwind at the end of a long day. I just need it to to calm down and relax, you know? I don't want to be uptight for my family. Yeah, 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 that's it. It's for them. It's really about them, after all, not me. And besides, you turned water to wine, Jesus, right? No, I couldn't. I, I don't believe you would even ask that of me. I need it. And God says, do you? Do you? Or is the gospel enough? Or, you know, there's the always needing a partner corner, a girlfriend, a boyfriend, a spouse, always somebody with me, the I can't be alone corner. I see new Christians trip over this one all the time. And they say, you know, again, ridiculous, God. I just want to, I want to find someone. I don't, I don't want to wait for someone that loves Jesus more than I do. Because I don't see someone in the church right now who I like. And so he or she must be out there somewhere. Right? I mean, after all, I'm planting seeds, right? This is good for them, right? Because <clears throat> missionary dating always works out. <clears throat> no, you wouldn't ask me to be alone, God. I can't. I need someone. And God says, do you? Or is the gospel enough? We all have these corners. Sometimes it's a money corner. 
pride corner, a, a pornography addiction, a need for approval, a guard wall up so high no one can get past it. You know, or the stealing problem, um, a need to control everything, a swearing or anger problem, right? There's a gossip problem or a complaining problem, an overeating problem. Corners of your life that you don't let others see. It's that corner that's down in the basement, covered and, and hidden in the dark. Guests that come over, they don't, they're not allowed to see that corner, Right? You'd be mortified if they, if they did, if anyone found out, especially those new Christian friends at church. They, they wouldn't even let me go to church anymore if they knew. But at some point, Jesus will ask to be let in to that corner. At some point in your walk with him, Jesus will want to shine a light there. He will ask you to give it up. And it's this beautiful journey that we're all on. The, the big churchy word for it is called sanctification, right? It's a process of becoming holy. It's that um, Jesus helps you become free from sin. And sometimes that is a process. I have known it to happen in an instant. If somebody has a, a smoking addiction. And the minute they give their lives to Jesus, the want to is just gone. The desire to, to smoke is just gone. It evaporates. They're set free in a moment. It happens. But more often than not, it is a process. It is Jesus asking you to give up a little bit more of the sin and, and the selfishness and the things you think you need in life for him to fill those corners with the gospel. It can be a messy process sometimes. And if at that point you're unwilling to let him clean up that corner, then you'll be saying to him that, no, the gospel is not enough. It's not enough. I've seen it over and over. Brand new Christians on fire for Jesus. And suddenly, <laughs> God asks them for too much. Or they see it as too much. And so today, my goal today is to convince you that the gospel is indeed enough. So that for at least one day, one hour, maybe, you believed. As you believed you could live without that corner. You believed you could, in fact, give it all up. And to do that, we're actually going to go back. I know I've been stuck in Acts lately. But today we're going to go back, back before there was the, the gospel as we know it today. Although no matter where you look in your Bible, you can see Jesus, by the way. You read through the Old Testament see Jesus on each and every page. Long before the, the Jesus, son of Joseph the carpenter, was born, you can either see Jesus or see a need for Jesus. He's all over the pages of the Old Testament because he is the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God in the beginning, right? He has always been there. Today, we're going to go back to Daniel chapter 3, if you want to go there in your Bibles with me this morning. Now, this is an interesting passage for me to preach today because I, I feel like I, it's, I've already preached it. <laughs> I think maybe I, I looked through all my notes, couldn't find the sermon. I don't think I actually have, but I've shared pieces of this in, you know, an after worship message or, or maybe at a prayer night or something like that, but I've never actually preached on it. But it's a message that's always near and dear to my heart. In fact, it's one that Aaron and I reference often. As we're talking to people, we're, we're constantly preaching this in everyday discipleship and evangelism. And so it's been my prayer this week that it's one that sticks with you too. When Jesus comes for that corner, that thing you've been trying to hide, keep away from him, I hope that this one sticks with you. When, when the selfishness wants you to bow down to it, right? when, when people threaten our belief, Right? Not, they want you to, to not stick to it. They want you to back down. I hope that this one sticks with you. It's often our own fear that threatens our faith, not other people's. But Daniel 3, verse 1, we're going to read a good portion of this, so I might skip over just a couple of details, but um, starting in verse 1. King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide and set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then he sent messages to the high officers, officials, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the provincial officials to come to the dedication of the statue he had set up. So all these officials came and stood before the statue. 
Then a herald shouted out, People of all races and nations and languages, listen to the king's command. When you hear the sound of all of those instruments, bow to the ground to worship King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. Anyone who refuses to obey will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. Anyone who chooses, who refuses to obey, will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. So, at the sound of the musical instruments, all the people, whatever their race or nation or language, bowed low to the ground and worshipped the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. But some of the astrologers went to the king and informed on the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, Long live the king! You issued a decree requiring all the people to bow down and worship the gold statue when they hear the sound of the musical instruments. That decree also states that those who refuse to obey must be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Everybody saying Abednego. Anybody else grow up thinking it was Abednego? Abednego. Look at it on the screen, right? Abednego. I have had to practice saying this all week because I feel like it's Abednego. And I want to get it right. If I have to say it, you have to say it. Abednego. All right. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who, whom you have put in charge of the province of Babylon, they pay no attention to you, your majesty. They refuse to serve your gods and do not worship the gold statue you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage and ordered that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. When they were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar said to him, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? See how many times I have to say it? Just saying. Then you refuse to serve my gods. Is it true that you refuse to serve my gods or to worship the gold statue I have set up? I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I have made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you refuse, you'll be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And then what God will be able to rescue you from my power? Dun, dun, dun. That's foreshadowing. Get ready. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, did you catch that? <laughs> he will rescue us from your power. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. See these guys, these three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Didn't, didn't VeggieTales call them Rakshak and Benny? That's easier to say. Rakshak and Benny. <laughs> They got something. These three guys, that they get something the rest of us don't get. They understood that obedience is obedience regardless of the outcome. That God is still God regardless of the outcome. This is something Aaron and I said to each other all the time when he was going through kidney failure and we were just frustrated and angry at God. Honestly, that we had these points where we were just, God, why? Right? And we'd say to each other, God is still God, and God is still good. Can't see it right now, but it's a faith statement. God is still God, and God is still good. God is still God regardless of the outcome, or God is still God regardless of what I can see right now in this moment. See, I, I think it would have been easier for Paul to give up in that ditch, like we talked about the first week of different. Beat up, thrown outside the town in a ditch. It would have been easier for him to give up in that moment. I think maybe he had that choice. I, I think it would have been easier for Jesus to accept the kingship of Israel and rule for that time and era rather than to die on the cross. I think it would have been easier for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to bow down to that statue, to worship a statue instead of God Almighty. And I think it would have been easier for Peter, like Pastor Aaron Holt, explained last week, to stay in that boat during the storm, to get out of it. I think they all had a choice, and they didn't choose the easier one. But they all knew something we don't. They all knew that that ditch didn't define them, that the grave did not define them, that the, the king didn't get to define them, that the prison cell that Paul was in so many times didn't define him, that label, that identity, that addiction, the fear, the doubt, the anger, whatever ditch you find yourself in, it doesn't define you. The gospel defines you. They knew that. 
come on, church, I've been begging you to see this throughout this series, right? That's what the first week was about. He got up, right? And what does that mean for us? This is the gospel, the good news, the message of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, that he died on a cross and was buried in a grave, but he isn't there today. That's something to get excited about, right? He isn't there today. He got up and walked out of that grave on his own power. That, that is the message. That is what defines us. Not church, not necessarily the healings and the miracles, not necessarily the, the forward motion, the gathering, the goosebumps we get when we're together. That defines us. It produces all of the other things, not the other way around. And it may look bad sometimes. In that fire, it looks bad. It may look like we're going to get thrown in the fire. It may look like we're going to get beat up and thrown in a ditch. It may look like that stone is going to roll over the tomb. For some reason, I can't get this picture out of my mind this week that Jesus was in the tomb. and The stone just rolled right over it, this finality to it. How desperate and despairing the disciples must have felt like it was an end. But he didn't stay in that grave. He isn't there today. He got up and walked out of the grave on his own power. It may look like that stone is going to roll over, and it might. might actually be an end of something. Do you have faith that God can take an end of something and start something new? Other preachers may tell you that, that that's not going to happen. right? You're not going to get thrown in the fire. You're not going to get the the stone rolled over the tomb. My other preachers may tell you that if you just have enough faith today, God will rescue you from each and every fire. But honestly, faith for victory is one thing. Faith for defeat, or what feels like defeat, is yet another thing. Because I'm here to tell you today that Paul did get beat up and thrown in a ditch and left for dead. Jesus did get thrown in that tomb. That stone rolled right over the entrance. Paul did get sent into that storm, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did get thrown in that fire. It happened, and yet they were right where they were supposed to be. I complain so much about those fires. I complain so much about what feels like a tomb, what feels like an ending, what feels like death. And maybe I'm right where God has me. We're right where I'm supposed to be. Their faith wasn't for victory for their own sake. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't believe just for them. Their faith was in God, actually in God, no matter what God chooses to do. It's not about him delivering us from the fire. It's about whatever he chooses to do, and we're going to be obedient no matter what. Because there is this distinction that some of us miss. We believe in Jesus for us. Process that a second. We believe in tithing because it benefits us. Right? We, we believe in church because it benefits us. We, we go looking for something that feeds us rather than a place we can give to. We, we believe in being obedient, not for obedience's sake, but for our own sake. And it's probably okay at the beginning. You get this rush of love and hope, right? You want that in the beginning, that, that Jesus forgives your sins and truly gives you a clean slate, and, and all of that is true. But what happens when you get to a fire moment? And that is as deep as your faith goes. What if it doesn't work out for us? What if we do get thrown in that prison? What if, what if we do get put on that cross? Where is our faith at then? And those moments are the true faith-testing moments, <laughs> Are you going to waver? Are you, are you going to abandon your beliefs in that fire? Are you going to go back to fishing like the disciples did when that tomb was closed? Unsure of what else to do, so I guess I'll just go back. I don't feel the, the goosebumps in worship anymore. I guess I'll just go back. Right? I'll go back to that addiction, back to the anger, back to the fear, back to that down in the dumps, everybody hates me lifestyle. Rack Shack and Benny already had that factored in. They already had it factored in. They knew very well the consequences of being obedient to God. They knew very well what everyone else was going to choose to do. They knew very well the king that they served under, but he was serious. 
He was actually going to do it, but they chose to be obedient anyway. Not knowing whether or not God was going to save them. Oh, they knew he could, right? Our God will save us, they said, but even if he doesn't. See, I think in modern church circles, we would call that disbelief. We would probably chastise somebody for not having enough faith. No, 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 don't say that. Don't have a negative confession, right? Don't say, but even if he doesn't, have faith that he will. He will deliver you from the fire. You're not even going to get thrown into it. You're not even going to have to face it. They got thrown in the fire. They knew God could deliver them. But was he going to? If faith is not a manipulation of God, it's not twisting his arm to do what you want. It's funny how we always go there. Right? When something bad happens, it's, it's, but God, I've been such a good little girl. I'd have done everything you've ever asked me and more, and you're letting this happen. How could you let this happen? Where are you? How could you? We're in good company in the way. By the way, we're in good company because uh, read through Psalms. Pick any one of them, really. You'll hear these sentiments. We're not the only ones that say, God, where are you? God, how could you? But faith is not an an if-then statement. It's not an if I'm a good little church mouse, then God will always, in every situation, have my complete and total back in exactly the way that I prefer, and I'm going to end up rich, famous, and fabulous without having to do much other than just obey. It's not quite that simple, because God is not just raising up spoiled little church mice. (laughs) I'm a spoiled little church mouse, right? You have to do what I want. You have to do what is most comfortable for me. God is not raising up spoiled little church mice. God is raising up warriors. Obedient to their commanding officer, even unto death. That is the example we follow. That is the Jesus we serve. Our war isn't against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil at work in the heavenly realms. It's not always about you. It's not always about the here and the now, the flesh. It could be about so much more than that if we can just believe in God, the rescuer, and believe that he's going to rescue in whatever way he sees fit. It might not be in this life. It might not be as we prefer it to be. And Jesus could have overthrown his evil, rich, power-hungry government. Instead, he paid his taxes. I feel the Holy Spirit on that. Jesus could have raised up an army with swords. Instead, he raised up an army of believers. He is raising you and me up to be the only ones in the crowd to be different. The only ones in the crowd to be obedient. He is raising you and me up to be thrown into the fire. Because when we are at our worst, he is at his best. When we are weak, then he is strong. His grace is sufficient for you today, believer. Even if you get thrown in the fire. Even if the worst happens, he is there with you. His power is actually made perfect in your weakness. So are you willing to be weak? Are you willing to be beat up for the sake of the gospel? Are you willing to be thrown into prison, to be put up on a cross, to have that tombstone rolled over your grave, to be thrown into a fire? Because I'll tell you what, I know a lot of Christians who are willing to stand, who are willing to fight, a lot of Christians who want a revolution, a lot of Christians who would love the chance to pick up their guns and march against some evil. They would love nothing more. But what if God is calling us to be obedient and be thrown in the fire? Do you have faith for the fire? Do you have, even if he doesn't, faith? Because if you can, Jesus will meet you in that fire. If you can, he will do his best work in that fire. In fact, that is where God does his best work. In the fire, in, in the grave. That's where he does his best work. Anybody have a little, even if he doesn't, faith today? I'm going to take that as a no. 
Does anybody have some even if he doesn't faith today? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did get thrown in that fire, and God did save them in that fire. God did not save them from the fire. He saved them in the fire. The guys that threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the fire, they died. The fire was so hot. Even the ones who threw them in died. The Bible says they fell into the fire. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had a fourth man, though, walking around with them in that fire. Nebuchadnezzar said, "Is that he looks like a god walking around in the furnace that day. The very man who ordered them thrown in had to call them back out. This is the ending to the story. He had to say, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, come back out here. And then when they came out, not even a single hair on any of their heads was singed. Their clothing wasn't scorched. And the Bible says they did not even smell of smoke. God did not save them from that fire. God saved them in that fire. Sometimes God won't save you from it. He will save you in it. Do you have faith even for the fire? Because here's the thing. Even if he doesn't faith, it's a whole nother level. (laughs) Even if he doesn't faith is when your belief isn't selfish. Your obedience isn't conditional. And your trial doesn't even produce smoke. You can come out of fires without even smelling like smoke. What I mean by that is they can touch your body, but they can't touch your soul. You can walk through adversity, pain, people lying about you, people hurling insults at you, but it doesn't make you bitter. It doesn't make you angry. It doesn't make you change. It never makes you take your eyes off Jesus because your eyes are fixed on him. Now, whatever is going on around you, the fire, the storm, the cross, the, the insults, the pain, it cannot touch your soul because it's firmly anchored in Jesus. Jesus is in that fire with you, in fact. He is in the ditch with you, walking on the storm, on the water, in the storm, with you. He's in that tomb with you. This was my big revelation this week. If he's in it, with me, where else would I honestly rather be? Where else would I honestly rather be? If in my heart of hearts, I'm honestly saying, look, I'd still rather not be in that fire. (laughs) Right? And I think this is where I've been at for so long. God, I know you're in there, but I I don't want to go there. And I'm not willing to leave my little corner. I'm not willing to feel like that. I don't want to be beat up. I don't want to be slandered. I don't want to be insulted. Are are you really in there, Jesus? (laughs) I'm looking at that fire. Are you really in there? Uh, Jesus can't possibly be that good that I would want to walk into the fire, right? If that's truly your sentiment today, it's time to start digging. It's time to do some work because it might mean that you're still tied to the things of this world that you love too much. Other things that make you think you're staying afloat today. Other things that you're finding your sense of security in, like Pastor Aaron's story last week with Peter and the boat, right? Peter was in a boat in the middle of a storm, and here comes Jesus walking on water, no boat, in the middle of a storm. This man doesn't even need a boat on water in a storm, and yet here we are still clinging to our boats. You see the absurdity of this. I feel like I'm, God, please help me (laughs) communicate this revelation because Jesus is out there walking on water without any sense of safety. And we're still clinging to the boats. Why can't we see that he literally doesn't even need a boat and he's telling you to come? The man doesn't need a boat. And we can't even get out of it. We, we have to elevate our faith today. If Jesus is in that fire, I want to be in that fire. Because I, I, am I really even more safe outside of it? If he's in it? Right? If Jesus is in the storm, in the storm, not in the boat, am I really more safe in the boat? If Jesus is in the prison, 
really more free outside of it. Look, your faith cannot be rooted in victory alone because you will lose your way long before you get to the cross. Long before you get to the fire. This is why most of the disciples didn't make it to the cross with Jesus. They couldn't even follow him there. It was rooted in victory. Aren't we, aren't, aren't you leading us toward victory, Jesus? Aren't you going to be ruler here? And now aren't we going to overthrow Rome together? What is happening? They thought, surely he's not going to get put up there. Surely the, the, the minute he gets up the hill, he's going to just wipe them all out or something. They kept thinking, right? they waiting for Jesus to have the victory. But Jesus was put on that cross. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into that fire. Peter was sent out into the storm. Paul was thrown in prison many times. He was shipwrecked and beat up and thrown in a ditch. Your faith cannot be rooted in victory or your version of victory. Cannot be rooted in fame and money and power and success and whatever victory looks like for you. Your faith needs only be rooted in Jesus. He was there in the fire thousands of years ago. He was there with Peter in the storm without a boat. He was there with Paul in the ditch surrounded by believers. So are you really going to get bitter when he was in it with you? Are you really going to get angry when it was the plan all along? How can we possibly complain when we see what comes out of it? How can we possibly complain knowing what Jesus did for us on this that cross? Can it possibly be worse than that? Daniel 3, 29 is the end of this story where even Nebuchadnezzar, the narcissist, says, if any people, whatever their race or nation or language, speak a word against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they will be torn limb from limb and their houses be turned into heaps of rubble. There is no other God who can rescue like this. Other things that we worship may be able to rescue us in some version. No other God can rescue like this. He is the God of rescue, but it doesn't always look the way we want it to because sometimes it's not about us. Sometimes it's about so much more than us. Right? What happens when I'm obeying him and that's what got me into the fire? God, I was obeying you. What am I doing here? I thought you were going to rescue me from this, right? What happens when obeying him is what got you into the storm in the first place? It's what got you into the ditch in the first place. In Paul's case, it's what got you into prisons and shipwrecks and chains and all of it. Obeying Jesus is what put him there. What happens when obeying him is the thing that gets you in trouble? Do you have even if he doesn't faith? Even if he doesn't save me from the fire. Even if he doesn't save me from the storm. Even if he doesn't save me from the prison or the cross or the grave. What if his plan is bigger than that? What if his plan is bigger than just saving you? And here comes the gospel message, right? What if his plan is bigger than just saving you? In the case of Shadrach, Meshach, and Bendigo, the plan was to save the nation. Not just them. God had saved them before they went in the fire. Maybe the nation wouldn't have heard about it because that's nah, kind of possible. You can explain that away. But he saved them in the fire. The plan was for the entire nation to see the power of God Almighty. Right? In the case of Peter, maybe the plan was to get him to see that his faith was still in the boat. Worldly things kept him safe. The, the, the sense of safety he had around him and not yet enough in the man who didn't even need a boat. In the case of Paul, the plan was to take the gospel to the Jews and then the Gentiles and literally save the world. He couldn't stay in that ditch, although it would have been easier. And in the case of Jesus, the plan was to save the world for all eternity, not just Jerusalem in that place and time. It was to save everyone, not just the Jews. What if God has a much bigger victory in mind than just yours? Are you willing to have even if he doesn't faith? Jesus was the most unlikely guy. The band can go ahead and come on up. He, he was the most unlikely guy. He was from the littlest good-for-nothing town. They always talk about how Nazareth, who's from Nazareth, right? He was born in a barn, raised by a carpenter. He was kind and welcoming to children when his culture wasn't. He loved his mama. <laughs> he was normal. 
He was just an everyday guy by their standards. He wasn't a holy man or a big rabbi with the pompous hats and the collars and whatever they wore on that day. He was, he was a guy who preached a message different from everyone else. He didn't raise up spoiled, rotten church mice who just wanted to rule and subdue their enemies. He raised up world changers who loved people, laid down their lives for people, and had a but even if he doesn't faith. Put your faith in him today. You don't need that corner. You don't need that thing that you've been clinging to, that addiction, that thing that you would be scared of everybody else saw. You don't need it. Put your faith in him today, even if it doesn't look like it's going to work out. Even if you can't imagine a possible way for victory to come out of this, put your faith in him today. Because as believers, we know that even if it doesn't work out here and now, it's going to work out for me in eternity. We grieve differently as believers. We have a hope that is different from everyone else on the planet because we know death is not an end. It's just the beginning of something else that Jesus is in, even those moments that look like a stone rolling over our tomb. Jesus is in the tomb with us. He's in the fire with us. He's in the storms with us. How can we possibly lose? And it might not even be about us. Your storm, your fire, your pain, your your whatever it is you're going through today, it might not even be about you. Maybe God has something so much bigger in mind. Maybe through this thing, through you walking through the fire and coming out on the other side, not even smelling like smoke, your entire family's gonna get saved. Maybe they're watching you right now walk through this trial. Maybe it's your school friends, your work friends, your kids that aren't following Jesus. Maybe they're watching you right now and it's not that God is going to deliver you from the trial completely because they could explain that away. It's that he's going to be with you through it and as they watch you go through that, that is what will be the turning point in their life. Maybe God has a bigger plan. Put your faith in him today. Stand up all across this room. Father, we worship you today. We thank you today. We put our faith in you today. The gospel message is so simple. It's easy. It's clear. Jesus Christ of Nazareth came from a perfect place into our imperfect one. He didn't sin. He, in fact, he was the only one on planet Earth worthy of judging us because he was sin-free and he chose not to. Instead, he chose to lay down his life for you, for me, so that I don't have to live with my pain, my shame from sin anymore. I can be free. I can walk free and I don't have to hold on to whatever I've been holding on to, that, that thing that I think I can't live without, that little bit of selfishness still in my life. I don't have to hold on to it. Jesus isn't in it. Jesus isn't in it. It's worth it to put your faith in him today. Even if you have to walk through the fire, he is there with you in the fire. He's there with you in the pain. He's there with you in the medical diagnosis. He's there with you in the financial bankruptcy. And he's there with you in the change of relationship status through the divorce and the pain. He's there with you. He's there with you. Today, if you're saying he's he's not been with me, I've never given my life to him, but today I want to change that. I want to give my life to Jesus once and for all. If that's you today, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand and hide in the back. I'm going to ask you just to step out of your seat and come right up front. Nobody's judging you in this room. In fact, they're just going to applaud. They're going to cheer you on for that step. If that's you and you want to give your life to Jesus today, just go ahead and step out of your seat. Slip right up here in front. Jesus is here for you today. He wants 
to be in the fire with you today. All we have to do is let him. And it's never been that easy. In history, before Jesus came, it was so much harder. But today, all you have to do is say, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And I'm going to live your way from now on. Is there anybody like that here? If you're watching online and you'd like to give your life to Jesus, you can text the number on the screen. We'd love to be in that decision with you and help you with that. Father, we thank you. Thank you for what you're doing in hearts and minds. Thank you for keeping our hearts open and soft towards you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. praise you. Thank you for what you have done in our hearts and lives. We give our lives fully to you, every bit of us. Every dark corner, everything we're still holding on to, we give it to you. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for my sins, for Shannon's sins. Thank you that you are coming into our lives and making us new, wiping away the sin and the shame and the fear and the doubt, filling us with faith. We give our lives to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Freedom Valley, I told you at the beginning that it was my goal today to get you to see that the gospel is indeed enough. And maybe you're here today and this is all new to you. And what I'm hoping is that you can accept that Jesus, the gospel message is enough. Right? That, that because Jesus was in the, the fire with the obedient three, you might say, yeah, but I'm not one of those obedient ones. Jesus won't come save me in the fire. I, I'm selfish and sinful. And I'm surprised the building didn't get struck by lightning when I answered today. But the gospel part of this story isn't only that Jesus was in the flames with the obedient three. The gospel part of this story is that he rescued them in the fire, not from the fire, for the sake of the rest of the nation. He made an example, a big example of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, not just for their sake, but for the sake of everyone else too. And he would do it all over again for you. In fact, he did do it all over again. Over and over and over throughout scripture, we see the pattern of the gospel. It is the pattern of God himself loving you so much that he would lay down his own life for you. He is the God of rescue because we don't deserve rescue, but he gives it anyway because of who he is, not because of who we are. And so it doesn't matter today what you've done. It doesn't matter who you've been in the past. It doesn't matter if you're not ready to give it all up today. It doesn't matter if you still have some doubt and some questions and some fear or some anger. What matters is that you call on the name of Jesus. What matters is that you believe that there will be someone in the fire with you. That there is someone who can walk on water and doesn't need a boat, even in the middle of your storm. What matters is that Jesus hung himself on a cross so that you could have a relationship with your heavenly father and you could be free from selfishness and shame. If you believe that today, maybe for the first time or the first time in a long time, I want you to come and join Shannon right up front here today. Get out of your seat and come here today. Freedom Valley, this is your wake up call. Maybe you're still holding on to something. Maybe, maybe there's something that you didn't realize, but you, you've been essentially telling God you love it more than him. Maybe there's a dark corner of your life that you've been unwilling to let him into yet. Obedience is so powerful. Simple, pure obedience is so powerful. It, it will call help down from heaven like it did in the case of our story today. It's not just your rescue, though. Your example might set a whole lot of other people free. Do 
you have faith for that today? We're going to sing. And as we sing, I want you just to get alone with Jesus. Run to these altars or go find a corner in the back of the room or kneel right where you are in your seat or just close your eyes and tune out the rest of the world, whatever you have to do. But you ask Jesus today, is there somewhere you need me to step up? Is there something you need me to let go of today? Where can I be more obedient? Where can I have, even if he doesn't faith? Let's sing together. You 
world and you see things differently. Your perspective is different. But you go into that fire willingly because you know Jesus is there. It's a completely different outlook. Jesus wants to give you that today. But don't leave this room today without getting a hold of that. Tapping into that passion and power. The Holy Spirit wants to empower you. Wants to give you that hope love to carry into the world. The prayer team is going to be down here at the front. They would love to pray over you. If you want to get baptized in the Holy Spirit today, if you want to get healed today, if you want to get set free today, we're here for that reason. We gather every week on Sunday morning to get on fire, to get passionate about who he is, and to go out in the world different than we came in. Amen. praise you today. We dedicate this change, this shift, this passion you've put within us. We dedicate it all back to you. God, use us. Even if it means a fire or a storm or a prison cell, use us, God. Let us be willing to be used in whatever way you see fit. Let us, each and every one of us, have that. But even if he doesn't of faith, that our faith is not rooted in victory or power or success or fame. Our faith is rooted in Jesus and Jesus alone, that we can walk through fires and not even smell like smoke. Empower us, God. Set us free. Give us a hope and a future and let us take that out into the world, that we would truly leave here vibrant passionate and selfless each and every day and we'd be able to go out into the world and change it with the message of the gospel we thank you and we praise you in jesus powerful mighty beautiful name amen amen thank you so much for joining us today if you made a decision to follow jesus please let us know by going to fv.church slash i am in And remember to download our app for more content and helpful links.